You're listening to the B-Fox and B-Frank show. Week three was another wild one. A lot of crazy endings across the sport. But we start, of course, with our ranked matchups from last week. And we have to start with everyone's favorite, Bo Nix. This was kind of the, the warning. You, you say, yes. ready to hop off the bandwagon. He turns in a vintage performance like this. Five total touchdowns, two in the air, three on the ground, and leading Oregon to a surprisingly comfortable win at home over BYU. He, this, this is the Bo Nix we've been expecting for three and a half years, four years now. I Credit, credit to us because it's clear he's a listener. And, you know, great job, Bo, as he, he finally heard that I have, have quit Bo Nix. But, uh, yeah, they, they played really well. Defense looked very solid. And, and the offensive line was great for Oregon. They, they had really good push. Got 212 yards on the ground, 227 through the air. Incredibly balanced attack in terms of production. Heavy dose of the ground game. And then when they needed it, they came up with some bigger plays. And it was never it, it was never close. I'll, I'll put it that way. It really never felt like this was a, a game that BYU could get back into. Yeah, and I mean domination running the ball as you said, but defensively too. It really never let BYU get the run game going. Something we thought that BYU might really put extra emphasis on after struggling in that department against a very good Baylor defense, but more the same for the second week in a row for the Cougs. And yeah, I mean. We were talking about this Saturday. This just speaks once again to just how good Georgia is this year, that yeah. and how good the Bulldogs have looked in their other games. You know, you brush that one off. Oregon looking more the team that we thought they could be in the preseason. I think top 15 team is is where they're going to find themselves for much of the rest of the season. But yeah, this was a very, very good performance to get some confidence back in the Dan Lanning regime. And, of course, Bo Nix looks like he will be the answer for the Ducks at quarterback this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how the rest of their year goes. Well, there, there will be something later in the week on spread option that will tell you where I land on this Oregon team moving forward. So, little little teaser. Fair. But... Overall, a, a good weekend for the Pac-12. More on that later. But Oregon certainly getting one of the marquee wins of the weekend. The other ranked matchup was not as aesthetically pleasing, shall we say. Certainly not as much offense. AM, Miami at home. AM desperately needed this one. They got it. The 17-9 win. Absolute rock fight. Made the quarterback change to Max Johnson, but... On that side of the ball, at least, it it's looking like more of the same for Jimbo. Yeah, the offense left a lot to be desired. There really wasn't much outside of a couple double-digit yard runs. N- not a ton through the air. They did have a couple 25-yard passes, but really never threatened much. The, the good news, obviously, is that they have an elite-level de- elite defense again, and that's what's going to keep them in a lot of these games. If it... <laughs> If they're going to keep playing like this, expect a lot more low-scoring low games, and, and the ability to grind it out and, and wear teams down is going to be huge for AM. They They really just need to look in the mirror, know who they are, and figure it out from there. They got crushed in the time of possession, 34 and a half minutes to 25 and a half minutes. Miami had the uh, 
advantage there. And really, they, they only forced one turnover, but were able to contain Miami enough in the areas where it mattered. Canes settled for three field goals. And if you can do that, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, that was really the difference. Miami nine plays in the red zone, zero touchdowns to show for it. And yeah, I mean, a lot of things were going AM's way. The defense, very bend, don't break. They were able to keep the quarterback upright for you know much of the game, just pretty, pretty clean pocket most of the night, but even so, only able to complete 50% of your passes with very little pressure from the defense does not yeah. bode well. So We've seen really the two quarterbacks that AM has kind of ready to go this season and, and Haynes King, Max Johnson, not really inspiring a ton of confidence. I mean, you just at this point, you have to get Nia Smith as many touches as possible. But other than that, the offense very much looks like it will be a work in progress for a lot of the season. And I mean, th- this was a game where Mario Cristobal did not have his finest performance. A lot of a lot of Oregon fans coming out of the woodwork too, mm-hmm. uh, justifiably critical of, of some of the game management decisions. A good day overall for for Ducks fans getting the win, and then seeing Cristobal kind of struggle in this one because there aren't a ton of winnable games you're going to get in College Station. Ironic, I know, given what happened last week, but right. Generally speaking, going against that crowd, you know, there's not going to be too many games like this and it was just seemed like a case of Miami not being able to take advantage of offensive opportunities that they did have. And, and we're still kind of looking for Tyler Van Dyke to fully get on track this season. Yeah. He he's had opportunities. He's had games to show it. And really outside of their blowout of Bethune Cookman early in the season, I, I have not seen much from this Miami offense that, that makes me think they are, an ACC contender at this point. Both teams staying in the rankings that lost BYU and Miami, so credit to them for that. But we look ahead now more more big picture, or look back rather, big picture. Week three, who is your big winner? I was going to put you down. Michael Penix had a, a massive game at Washington and then Indiana with that nice little comeback win and over. I I'm going to, and and also, I guess this kind of ties in in terms of like your, your gambling, but I'm going to put Kansas as the winner. They're 3 0. They've won road games this season. I think back to back road games. I, can, I was reading a stat earlier. Let me get the research department on it to confirm, but Kansas has won multiple road games in a season just twice in the last, or since 1996. The last time they won multiple road games was their Orange Bowl season in 2007 or 8, one of those two years. But yeah, 3-0, and and naturally, Lance Leipold is getting a lot of, there's a lot of talks of Lance Leipold heading to Nebraska to take over the Nebraska job. Would be a swift kick to the Kansas fans' groin if that were to happen. They finally have a little hope, and, and all of a sudden, it's, it's gone like that, three games, four games into the season. Lance Leopold is a wizard. The, Kansas is no fluke. Like back-to-back weeks, especially this week against Houston, a double-digit win team from a year ago. Jalen Daniels, we highlighted in the preseason, definitely the answer. Just a, cu- a couple of fun stats, courtesy of stats master Bill Connolly. Kansas, through the young season, second in the FBS in points per drive. 
first and third and long success rate, first and sack rate allowed. This is through three weeks now. This is a, yeah. an offense that has been getting better seemingly week over week as the level of competition has improved. I was a little disappointed that Kansas didn't make more of a push or the AP voters didn't make more of a push to have Kansas ranked. They do get 23 votes, so they're on the right track. But this is, uh, is going to be a team that's very dangerous in the Big 12 this year. And I, I don't think... Anyone could have possibly predicted that, even the most Homer optimistic Jayhawk football fans out there, all five of them. They could realistically be six and zero heading to Oklahoma. And now that, that would be a very fun matchup. Yeah. Obviously, Oklahoma's normally good, but the defense under Brett Venables early on looks light years ahead of what it's been under Stoops and under Lincoln Riley the last several years. So that's mm-hmm. a very encouraging sign, you know, took Nebraska's early punch and responded very well. So yeah, I, I hope that is what ends up happening. So that would be, that, that's a game that not many people have circled in the preseason, but at this point looks like it would be a, a terrific matchup. Yeah. You know, credit to Kansas again. Just want to reiterate that. A real shame that game day did not pick three and Kansas versus three and Duke, and instead is going to Tennessee. I love the Vols, obviously, as as we all know. You've got the smoky shirt on right now. They get it against number That's twenty Florida. But yeah, it would have been really fun to see a three and Duke and three and Kansas matchup on College Game Day. Yeah, especially for, after going for, to... for football. Let me let me clarify yeah. that. Especially after you go to Troy at App State, like keep going to these uh, off the beaten path matchups. That would be uh, that'd be fun for us all, except for yeah. the the big brands. So my big winner, you you were right. It it is me, but specifically it's it's Michael Penix Jr. Like Indiana, that was fun. I think it's very clear that they're not a very good football team, but it's just going to be a hell of a ride every week. But Washington is. No joke. They are a very good football team, and Kalen DeBoer just coming in and, and immediately showing his wizardry once again. First real test with a ranked Michigan State team coming in, and, you know, primetime matchup, national broadcast, and the Huskies did not blink. And mm-hmm. Penix threw for just under 400 yards, four touchdowns. This is who he's always been. He's been a guy who has the talent of at worst, a day two NFL draft pick, but the only question has really been staying on the field. When he's been on the field, when he's been healthy, completely healthy, he's been consistently excellent, and that's what we saw on Saturday. And now if you're Washington, you start to maybe think a little bigger. This was another of the the big wins for the Pac-12. USC demolished Fresno State in a game that many people thought would be pretty close. Oregon State's playing well. Oregon obviously bounced back against BYU. And a couple weeks after we more or less wrote the Pac-12 off for dead, they've responded in a big way while we're still in the non-conference part of the season. It seems like the last couple of years we've been harping again and again. Pac-12 really struggling out of the gate, not able to get some of those marquee non-conference wins. Mm -hmm. This week they did a lot to change that. And and Washington, in my mind, was the, the biggest statement out of that. Yeah, they looked really good. I mean, this really was not as close as the score showed. Like, a couple late touchdowns for Michigan State made this game look a lot better than it was. But it was 22 nothing basically in the blink of an eye. 
halfway through the second quarter, and then it got up to 39-14 in the fourth, and Michigan State grabbed a couple touchdowns late to, to make it look a little better. But defense, run defense was superb, held them to 42 yards on 29 carries. And then, like you said, Penix, Penix was really spinning it well. He's, you know, he hit 10 different receivers, nine different receivers, 397 yards, finished fourth in the country in FBS in terms of passing yards this past week. And they just looked like a, a competent football team, which is something I don't think we could say last year. Definitely not. Big, big indication of, of what a difference a year makes. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were saying. The the difference between a good quarterback in Michael Penix and a mid one in whoever AM throws back there this year. Michigan State gave him a clean pocket pretty much all night. I mean, combination of, of Michigan State not really blitzing that much and Washington's offensive line holding up. Like yeah. you give him a clean pocket, he's gonna pick you apart, especially further and further downfield as the game goes along. And that's so we saw out of the gate. That's how they were able to build a lead so quickly. And mm-hmm. I mean, future defenses I would think would take note. Like you have to apply some pressure against this guy because even if you drop seven or eight, he's still going to be able to to make big plays with his arm. So very encouraging early returns for Kalen DeBoer for sure. Yeah, just got to keep him upright. Who is your big loser of week three? I'm not going to pile on to Nebraska, so I'll, I'll move elsewhere. I am going to put Auburn as my big loser. Um, it's it was a tough week this was a game that I thought was very winnable against a Penn State team that hasn't been great the last year and a half almost two years now if you go into the COVID year and they just dominated this game I mean Penn State from start to finish was excellent throughout the night at Auburn you know on the road in the SEC against you know one of the tougher places to play in the entire country and Sean Clifford looked very good. Singleton went for over 120 yards and two scores. The defense absolutely clamped down, forcing turnovers and, and really played well. Tank Bigsby did not do much in this ball game. Only 11 touches total, I believe, or 12 touches, which is just criminal. And now you got to wonder what's next at Auburn because they've got Missouri a loss. And we've, we've seen a couple heads roll in terms of coaching fires already in the season a loss to Missouri could basically end the Brian Harson era, which has been turbulent at best through a very short period of time. I don't think anyone see it as hotter, especially now that Herm Edwards basically got fired on the field after losing to Eastern Michigan. I think it's got to be Harson, and it, it was already a warm seat coming into this one. You know, mm-hmm. a a tough Penn State team certainly, but coming into your place. This is an opportunity to right the ship a little bit. You know, two and zero on the season, but your tenure has has not been great so far. So this is an opportunity for a marquee win. And then you have an elite talent like Tank Bigsby, and you can't even use him because yep. you fell behind so much in the second half. For Penn State, Nick Singleton's the real deal. This is they've they've been missing a a dynamic running back for a few years after you know Barkley and Sanders. They've been kind of struggling to mm-hmm. get some of that caliber. Huge recruit recruiting coup getting Singleton. Coaches have been kind of preaching patience with the media, but out of the gate, he's been spectacular. And this was another example of that. Auburn had more red zone plays than Penn State did in this game. And they yep. lose by 29. Just 
Like same deal as a Miami against AM. Couch bringing the ball down there, ran 12 plays inside the red zone, get zero touchdowns out of it. And that's just not going to get the job done when you're playing a good team. Like you have to take yeah. advantage of those opportunities. And yeah, I More turnovers obviously is a killer as well. I think unless something dramatically changes, Harson is probably gone at the end of the season regardless, but yeah, if, if it keeps trending in this direction, you drop games that you absolutely should not, like a Missouri, then we could see it sooner. But right now, I'm having a really hard time seeing how he turns things around by the end of the year. Because he was already so close to being gone last offseason, kind of miraculous that he yeah. is still there, but hasn't done himself any favors in the early season here. The schedule is not great either. After Missouri, they've got LSU, who rebounded very nicely this past week. And then they're at Georgia and Ole Miss. I think you can mark those both down safely as losses. And then home to Arkansas, who's looked phenomenal this season. Miss- on the road for Mississippi State, home for AM, home against a very frisky Western Kentucky team that we saw a lot of this past weekend. Oh. And then the Iron Bowl. So find me four wins to get them to bowl eligibility. I mean, credit to Auburn for not scheduling a joke team during that annual all-SEC bye week. But, yeah, this was not the year to do it. That's going to be be a tough one. Unless they're trying to get Brian Harson out of there. (laughs) Maybe. He could have just done that last offseason. That is for sure. All right, so that is... A wrap on week three. There there were a lot of surprise undefeated teams. There are some that still remain. Duke, Kansas, Syracuse, all still unbeaten. Syracuse, miraculous comeback to beat Purdue. You really hate to see it. Shout out the Orange. Yeah. We've got other Orange-ranked teams playing this week. Flawless transition. Clemson at Wake Forest. Big Sam Hartman guy. No, they struggled to put away a frisky Liberty team last week. Do you think they can pull off the upset at home here? It was a look-ahead game for sure. Liberty's not a team to overlook, but it is a game that Wake Forest won and should have won fairly easily. Clemson, through the early part of this season, really just has not impressed. A whole lot of that is DJ. He, He just hasn't been the guy we've saw flashes of his freshman season. And and what, you know, outside of Will Shipley, they don't really have like those go-to dynamic weapons out of the backfield that they can use. I think this one finally wakes up the Clemson offense because one, because Wake Forest defense is suspect at best Two because I think it it's just, this game is is likened to a shootout. In in that scenario, I'm going to take Wake Forest. I think it's going to be a high scoring, close game, a lot of you know heavyweight fight back and forward with the haymakers. But I think Wake Forest just has enough firepower to get the job done. Yeah, it's pretty intriguing because these two teams you would think want to play very different styles of complementary football. In Wake Forest case, you know the the defense isn't doing much to complement the offense, but yeah, I, I think it, it's it's going to be akin to crossover sports, but anytime someone plays Virginia in basketball with a talent advantage, I, I think Clemson is going to do everything within their power to just muddy the waters here, slow down this mm-hmm. more dynamic attack that Wake Forest has to offer and is good 
as Sam Hartman and this attack have been the last two years, I still give the advantage there to Clemson's defense. And I think that DJ, Will Shipley, whoever the ball needs to go to will be able to take advantage against a more beleaguered Wake Forest front. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be close, but I'm going to take Clemson here. Look at that. Early disagreement. This one I feel like will be aligned. Florida at Tennessee. Who you got? I I said last week on spread option that this game against South Florida at home will tell coming off a loss will tell us a lot about Florida and it told me that Florida are frauds and that's all I need to know. Tennessee will run it up. I think they win this game big. Well, it's it's the same thing we already knew. Like Florida can run the ball, no problem. Yeah. Um, even even if you know this wasn't really the Anthony Richardson show, like their backs are still good. Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne but they just do not have a passing attack. 10 for 18, 112 yards, two picks. Like everyone should know what Florida is now. Yeah. And like, and they got gashed on the ground. They yeah. Gave up almost 300 yards rushing. Jer- Jerry Bohannon was 12 of 28 with two picks and South Florida had a field goal attempt at the end of the game to tie it. Like that should not happen. Oh yeah. No, South Florida is not a good football team. Like, no, it's it's great. Like Florida has like a top ten rush offense and a bottom twenty passing offense. Like trying to get those to reconcile in the especially once we get into SEC play where everyone has mm-hmm. NFL linemen and linebackers. Like good luck. Yeah. You know, for now two and one in the top twenty. I I don't anticipate the Gators will be ranked for much longer, but you could argue this is already a win for the Billy Napier era getting into the rankings in week in year one yeah. um, staying there for a couple of weeks. So good for you. But yeah, I, I like Tennessee to really put a lot of pressure on Florida defensively. And I think it'll just, again, be a question of, you know, Florida will do everything they can to stay in it. Their defense will be able to make some plays, but at the end of the day, they just, they don't have the offense to make up ground quickly. Like they're, they're a team that 100% has to get out to an early lead and control the ground, control the clock, and, and just keep milking that. But if yeah. Hendon Hooker has success through the air and they find themselves chasing, especially on the road, I I think it's possible it gets out of hand. Either way, I like Tennessee to keep the perfect season rolling here. Lastly, our favorites, and back again, another home game. Someone should look into this, but it's it's Arkansas coming off a crazy game, look-ahead game, certainly, also... Revenge game of sorts going up against Petrino and Missouri State. We're able to escape that with an 11-point win. Very much in doubt at times, but now they get to be the latest team to get a crack at Kyle Field and Jimbo's Aggies. How are you feeling about this one? I they're they're actually playing at AT AT&T Stadium. So oh, I knew that. that is the o- that is the only difference, and I just noticed it now. This is the classic. Uh, oh, the, the Jerry, Jerry Jones game. Jerry Jones yeah. Bowl. Yeah. So home game yeah. for Arkansas. Yes, the Jerry Jones Bowl. <laughs> so expect some great jerseys to to clash here in this one. There, I'm going to use the exact reason you chose last week to go against A and M, and it's I trust no one in the quarterback room. And this week has only given me more a bigger sample size to do that with. I think Arkansas's offense has looked great. KJ Jefferson has been superb this season the o-line really needs to perform because this is a good front seven 
for Texas A&M, and the defense will keep them in it. The question is how long can they sustain and can they get anything out of the offense? If that's the case, then I'm going to be taking Arkansas. I think they're just going to win this game with too much offensive firepower. This is the game for A&M. Like, if your offense is going to show us anything, it has to be this week because yeah. KJ Jefferson has covered up a lot of holes so far. You know, he is having a fantastic season, and I agree with you. I trust him far more than anyone I do in A&M's quarterback room. I trust him more than I trust Tyler Van Dyke, who is Mario Cristobal ruining him. Let's start those allegations. But certainly, KJ Jefferson, outstanding season, picked up right where he left off last year. The defense has looked really rough and struggling as much as they did against an FCS school last week does little to alleviate those concerns. Like, they have given up lots of yards and points to Missouri State, South Carolina, who we just saw what Georgia did to them, and Cincinnati, who struggled mightily to get out ahead of Miami, Ohio. So there are legitimate questions on that side of the ball. So once again, the pressure is on Jimbo and A&M to generate something. You know, this this is now the the offense I am kind of taken with the most in college football because even Iowa was able to score some points last week against yeah. a bad team as as you have to. So, I mean, if A&M is going to have to score points to keep up with KJ Jefferson, and I think this is a defense that offers an opportunity to do that, I would like A&M a lot better if it was a neutral or a, a true home game because, right. you know, even in the state of Texas, Jerry will, I'm sure, pull out some stops to <laughs> – give the Razorbacks a a home field advantage. I'm going to keep rolling with Arkansas here, but this is a game where if Max Johnson gets to start again, he's got to, he's got to do something through the air. He's got to throw for, I mean, 250 yards at least to keep him in it. Well, that ties in nicely to the stat. I was just going to read every quarterback this season that has played Arkansas has thrown for over 320 yards. Wow. All right. So, if there's ever a week for a breakout performance for an A&M quarterback, it is this week. So I'm not even setting the bar that high. No, you, you actually set it way too low. Was, you, were, you were very lenient. That's, that's me being generous and objective once again, so credit to me. Now, this is the ball is in your proverbial court, Max Johnson. But yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all we've got for the, the look ahead to week four. Hopefully there are some crazy endings just as there were this week. Outside of the ranked matchups, it looks a bit light going into it, but those are the weeks we know always can provide the most entertainment value. So looking forward to that. We will be back for another week of the Spread Option podcast later this week, and we will see you back here next time with this show.